Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. It's a destination. We are finally here. Let's go. Welcome in, everybody. Sunday night. I know everyone's probably watching the playoffs. Thanks for tuning in for another live episode. Just want to let everybody know this one's going to be probably a little abbreviated, uh, just given that uh, my Bengals play in about 45 minutes. So I'll be jumping off here around 8.05, 8.10. So we'll probably go for about 40 minutes and uh, take some questions up until then. Got to highlight Eric. We are finally here. My co-host on America's Game. If anybody uh, isn't listening to that or subscribe, check out the Destination Devi podcast feed. You can get America's Game and all the other shows on the feed. What's going on, everybody? As always, I'm your gracious host, Scott Connor at Charles Chill FFB on Twitter. Uh, and I had a couple topics I wanted to bring tonight. Like I said, this is going to be an abbreviated episode, but I wanted to talk about a couple things. I'll take some questions. Uh, Real quick, I want to share this. Cobra Kai, good luck, Scott, tonight. I think the Ravens will keep it close. I agree. Uh, It's one of those games where it just feels like, you know, I I stepped outside for a little bit. It's about 25 degrees. It's just cold enough to make it a little bit annoying if you're not ready to play. So it's one of those games where it just has a feel of a, you know, 24-19 type of game, maybe even lower scoring. Kind of like last week's game, but obviously the Ravens have some guys that they didn't play last week. So, We'll see how it goes, Uh, but I wanted to get into a couple topics before we start. uh, As always, you can subscribe to the newsletter uh, below. You can see Destination Devi newsletter at allgas.beehive.com. Put in your email. You'll get a weekly newsletter sent to you. It's usually Saturday mornings, Friday night. Uh, That's when I usually get it. You can check out all the content from all the DD creators over there. A lot of topics that are covered, not just Dynasty, not just Redraft, DFS, gambling, deep Dynasty waivers. I know Eric usually puts in stuff from things we talk about on America's Game and stuff that we're doing in our own leagues. Uh, So check that out. Subscribe to the newsletter. I have some questions, but I wanted to start with this topic. I had two topics for tonight. The first one we did cover a little bit on America's Game the other night. Uh, We talked about wide receiver usage. I'll get into that probably in the last 10 minutes or so of the show. But I wanted to talk about the art of the auto accept trade block. And a lot of people go, what is the auto accept trade block? And how is it useful? So we're into the off season of the dynasty season where it's now two months until there's really any new information. Sure, we're going to get senior bowl information. We're going to get some other data coming out after everybody declares, we're going to start getting more people diving into specifically the profiles. You'll see a lot of the analytics people do a lot of their work over the next couple weeks, next month or so, all that stuff will be hot and heavy on podcasts. Any dynasty shows, you're going to start hearing about the prospects diving into the class, which is good. I mean, I'll be honest, even as somebody that plays in 20 Devi leagues, 
and obviously is consistently talking to a lot of really smart people when it comes to college fantasy and Debbie. I'm still not even sure what I think about all the players. I still haven't gone through and done some of the things that I prefer to look at just from like a modeling standpoint and trying to predict how the market is going to react to some of the prospects. I don't even know that. I know last week I talked about the ADP we do over at Destination Devi, and it kind of gives you an idea of where some of the biases are. It's cool to track ADP consistently from a lot of smart people that are basically putting their opinions down all throughout the year before a player is coming into the league, before their college season starts, throughout their college season, and then now. And you can kind of see the opinions of players even before we have any information. You see the opinions of players that might not have even declared. And then you see the opinions of players once they declare. It's like, wow, a lot of people out there are talking about this guy as a second round pick. Nobody ever drafted him in the mock drafts. It's like, where did that come from? And then there's other players where we were consistently drafting in the late first, early second, mid second, Sean Tucker, Zach Evans. Those two come to mind immediately where people still in our mock drafts are taking them in the top 15 or higher. And there's a legitimate shot that they are not top eight running backs even off the board in this class. And you're going like, wow, those guys could be like fourth or fifth round NFL picks. Yet there's going to be a name attachment to those types of players that are not going to exist with other guys that get drafted higher than them. Think of like Isaiah Spiller last year. Think of guys like Pierre Strong last year. A lot of people liked those two pre-draft. And then vice versa, someone like Tyrion Davis-Price. Nobody really even thought he would go in the first four or five rounds. And then boom, he shows up in round three. So wanted to talk about the auto accept trade block. I'm going to fire this up. This is what it looks like. So basically what the auto accept trade block is, you go into your league. I recommend using probably some sort of HTML formatter to go in and put this, especially in MFL. I don't have an example of what it looks like in a sleeper league, but in MFL, go into an HTML formatter, type this in and then put this in your trade blade on MFL. If you're playing on MFL, this is what it looks like right here. As you can see, essentially, I put in the player line by line and exactly what I am going to ask for them in a trade. And this is what it looks like. And it takes 10 minutes to go through and do multiple leagues like this. All you have to do is go through and figure out what the price is, update it, and then send it out to your league. If you use Outlook especially, uh, I send out an email to everybody in my league once I put this up there. And I basically just say, okay, new trade block. It's updated. I'll send a copy of the image to the league. If I use email, I'll send an, just a blasted email out to everybody in the league with a copy of the image. So if they don't check the trade bait or they don't get emails when a trade bait gets updated, they'll at least get an email. And it's pretty clear cut. You go in a league and you just basically figure out a lot of times what you're putting here is liquidation prices. You're essentially going through and saying, what would I liquidate these players for based on my roster, based on my league, whatever it might be, and let everybody know what the auto accept price is. I don't care what team it is. I don't care where the team finished. I don't care if that 24 first is going to be early, late, mid, it doesn't matter. These are usually players you're looking to liquidate and you're very comfortable with what the price is. Uh, and it can be flexible. I mean, I have specifically in here a couple picks that are in a specific year, but you don't even have to do that. I think that's more for the high-end players. I think a couple of these players, Trey Lance and Tony Pollard, are higher-end players, so I was specific on what I wanted. But if you're talking about just a couple running backs, 
a couple fringe roster clogger receivers, you know, a couple tight ends that maybe have a little upside. You can just put any third, you know, you can put any second. You can also put Tony Pollard plus a third for a first, something like that. And then there's a couple comments in here about sleeper. So how do you do this in sleeper? For sleeper, all you have to do is go in and just update the player's nickname to whatever your auto accept price is. So it's easier to do on your phone. You just go right in and you put auto accept any third and you just update, insert Deontay Foreman's nickname and you just change it to Deontay Foreman any third and boom, it'll pop up on the homepage. It'll pop up in the chat and anybody can send you the offer based on that. So that's the art of the auto accept trade block. Now, does it work? First of all, I think the auto accept trade block works in specific leagues, but more importantly, I think it works in leagues where you have a lot of other managers that are always looking to get an edge. I found that there are times where the auto accept trade blocks will go up in my league and there may be a situation where I buy. I see Eric in the chat. I bought a bunch of KJ Osborne shares from Eric last year. I talked about that on a prior show. I bought a bunch of KJ Osborne's from Eric for thirds last year, probably three or four shares, at least three. Now, some of these were specific formats, but again, you know, you know the formats where you're probably interested in putting KJ Osborne on a roster. It's probably a, a start 12 or, you know, a 14 team start 11, something like that, or a best ball league. And that's something I'll talk about a little later with wide receivers. But you know the formats where you'd be interested in buying those types of players. Running backs, the auto accept trade blocks can be used during the season and in the offseason on running backs. It's very, very easy to go through and just say any third for this player. Sure, you can blast it in the chat, but sometimes in the offseason, just doing something like this will give somebody the time to go and look at it. And I think that's the biggest thing is why does it work? We're humans. We like when we can get something. We like when we can walk in a store and we see the price. Have you ever walked in a store and you want something and you don't know what the price is? How, how likely are you to just go buy it anyway? Rarely. Rarely you are going to go up, take it to the checkout line, and just let them scan it. And you're already in the midst of paying your bill before you know how much that, that item is. Rarely are you going to do that. And it kind of works the same way in Dynasty. You know, We'll put out in the chat, hey, Tony Pollard's on the block. Okay, well, for what? That's usually the first question. What are you looking for? Well, I don't know. I don't know what I'm looking for. You're the one that wants to make an offer. So this alleviates a lot of that. And sometimes you won't get any action. You'll put up an auto accept trade block and you get nothing. And probably it's because your prices are too high. The key, and I don't see him in the chat, but Ruben, if anybody's been in a league with Ruben Almada, Coast to Coast Dynasty, he usually is the best I've seen at pricing on auto accept trade blocks. He understands how to get deals done. And usually he will put players up on the block for at best what you would say their square price is. Sometimes he's even a little bit under. But I think the point is, like Ruben does, is it is a fair price. It is, I would even pay this for a player. But for some reason in this specific league, I've decided that I'm going to liquidate for this pick in this range. And it's simply because this fits with what I'm trying to do. And I talked about it on last week's show. This is a perfect time of the year to throw up those auto accept trade blocks and basically try to liquidate for draft picks. Even if you're sitting there going, and I got a question here from Kuzki. Slayton roster clogger with that drop. Yeah, I just saw it. Now, he's the type of player where you're going, okay, I may want to auto accept trade block a guy like Slayton simply because there's going to be a little buzz that he's going to hit free agency. There might be a couple other receivers that end up getting re-signed by their teams. Slayton's almost guaranteed to hit free agency. The Giants have tried to get rid of him for years now. So he's going to be somebody that may sign the random Zay Jones 
$7 million a year contract. He may sign the random Nelson Aguilar, $10 million a year contract. And you're going, wow, we have to now respect this player as a non-roster clogger. But you don't know that. He could also be a guy where there's no market. And he goes back on a modest deal somewhere, one-year deal, and you're going, yeah, he's going to be the wide receiver four on another team. I think I'd probably go with the former, but there's a potential that it's the latter. So he's the perfect auto-accept trade block. He's probably one of those where it's, I will give Darius Slayton and a third, get back a second. Because I don't think you're necessarily selling him for a second, but I could understand not wanting to sell him for a third. So that's the art of the auto-accept trade block. Think about some intrinsic value that you might have by making these deals. You know, think about what you gain by turning a player into a pick. I talked about it a ton last week. I've talked about it a ton on prior episodes, but that's the key is not putting the prices so high to where people are going to go. Yeah, no way. And the last comment, sometimes I get some shit in my leak chats. You know, people are going, what is this? What is the auto accept trade block? And people will go, wow, I've never seen that before, but some people will be critical of it. And I'm just like, you know, I don't have time for that. But at the same time, what are you critical of? I'm literally taking a price, opening up shop, and putting the price on it. If you don't like it, that's fine. And a lot of times it will be, oh, there's no way I'd pay a third for that player. Are you kidding me? No way I would pay a third for that backup running back. He sucks. You know, you'll get comments like that. But really, if you don't like it, don't buy it. You know, 95% of our lives, we see things that cost money or they cost time, and we don't pursue them because we don't like the cost. And that's fine. But just something you want to try if you're looking for stuff to do in your leagues. This is something that you might want to try. Just see what you can get. See what type of deals you can get done. My goal is to do, you know, at least like a dozen of these deals between now and like the Super Bowl. And they're just simply liquidation trades. So you can go through, think of the players. There are times where you want to sell higher end players. Like I was putting Trey Lance or Tony Pollard on the block. And you probably want to price those really, really close to, if not a little bit below what you know their market price is. If you're trying to gouge people, if you're trying to quote unquote sell high, it's not going to work. This is more of I've identified a guy like Trey Lance. I've identified a guy like Tony Pollard. I'm willing to make a bet. Or in my case, you know, I have 50 plus leagues. I'm willing to make like a diversification bet. Hey, I have nine shares of Tony Pollard. I don't want nine shares of Tony Pollard. That's too much for a running back heading into free agency. So let me get rid of a couple of them. And the auto accept trade block is a great way to do that. So I have a couple questions. We'll do a couple questions um, and then we'll get back to the wide receiver usage. But I wanted to throw some questions up here uh, just before we move on to the next topic. Tom, Tom put a question in there earlier. Thank you, Tom, for the question. You have mentioned in prior episodes that you recommend based on data to play wide receivers in the flex positions. I was wondering if the recommendation changes if there is a tight end premium or a better or better or a spot start running back. So basically if there's tight end premium, or if there is a spot start running back that you want to play. So here's what the data says. And I talked about this on my tight end roster construction series, where I mentioned the viability of tight ends in the flex. In 1.5 premium, the viability of tight ends in the flex is pretty slim. Meaning unless you have like a top eight-ish tight end, you really don't want to flex them. Now, if it's on the fringe, it ultimately ends up probably being a coin flip. If you have the tight end seven or tight end eight, you can probably say I'm going to flex them, but you've probably already designed your team around flexing them. And I talked about it on that episode. If you're doing a startup and you draft, say, Kyle Pitts, it kind of makes sense to go back and draft like Dallas Goddard or TJ Hawkinson, because really what you're doing is you're squeezing out everybody else from potentially matching your scarce positional advantage that you've already paid for, right? 
And you get the extra bonus of being able to flex them based on their historical production with relative comfortability in your flex spots. So sure, they may not outscore the receivers that you could necessarily play there, but you've gotten a little extra benefit by saying, okay, there's only nine tight ends that I think are going to be like starter caliber flex worthy tight ends. And I have two of them, which means that is one less team that can match me week to week, or even in best ball, that's one less team that might be able to match me. And I've gained a little extra advantage. So if the flex viability is like 50, 50 around that tight end range, tight end eight, tight end nine range, then I've gotten a little extra advantage. Then in that case, you would go with the wide receiver. Anything lower than that 1.5 tight end premium, not really interested. The math says you really never want to flex tight ends. If you are, it's not that you can't, it's not that a tight end can't put up a flex worthy week, but in 1.5 premium, you don't want to design your team that way. So there's a big difference between how I'm going to roster construct and then what's optimal. Optimal could be, well, there could be a bunch of injuries at wide receiver. You could have tight end 15 come out of nowhere and he puts up a tight end six year, like Evan Ingram, for instance. Okay. So your math was a little wrong. There is some variance that takes place, but you don't want to design your team around, hey, I'm going to draft a bunch of tight ends because it's 1.5 premium. 1.75, that moves down to like tight end 11-ish. And then one point, anything more than 1.75, so like two PPR, then you're getting into where you can almost comfortably flex any of the top 15, top 18 tight ends. So that shifts your roster construction over to, hey, I can now almost draft tight ends at the same rate as wide receivers. In fact, I can probably draft them more aggressively because what will happen in a startup is people will see the names and they'll see the name Cole Komet and they'll go, well, I don't really like Cole Komet and in two PPR, yeah, it's two PPR, but I'd much rather draft Rashad Bateman. Something like that. I'm just throwing out an example of a receiver that's like a wide receiver three in value. People will just continue to take the receivers because of the perceived longevity or positional advantage, and they'll ignore the tight ends. So the name cachet will drop off and the tight ends will slide. So actually in those two PPR leagues, you can take advantage of that in startups and you can end up basically getting a ton of tight end value with flex viability. And then last part of this, I know this is a long question, but Tom, with running backs, so running backs in PPR, it's tricky because if you're going to build your team around kind of like a hero RB setup, then what's going to happen is you are just by circumstance going to have a ton of running backs on your roster. Now, sometimes you're going, man, I'm searching every single week for one running back I can play in my RB2 spot. You know, like I don't have any to play. Then you might have some other teams where it's like, well, I have five running backs. I have five running backs based on whatever ranking system that I use, whatever the matchups say. I have five running backs that I could justify as like top 24 plays this week. And then what do I do? So there are times and the flex viability of a running back in a full PPR league is still pretty high. It's not as high as wide receivers. So historically, I looked at the last five years of data. It's usually around like 55 to 56% updating for this year for the wide receivers. So the receivers actually fell a little bit this year because I talked about earlier where the running back scoring this year in the middle, like in the flex range, is actually higher. And the receiver scoring this year in that range is a little bit lower. But there's more receivers in that range. So it kind of balances out. So if you're following me, basically like 56% of the time-ish, you want to start a receiver in the flex, which makes that the dominant way to build your team, which is why I always say, Find your threshold, build enough receivers around that idea that you always want to flex a receiver, but it doesn't mean you might not hit on rosters where you go, wow, I have three receiver injuries and two of them on by, 
And instead of going out and trying to add a receiver or swap a receiver, I can play an extra running back here. Because maybe I hit right where I have five starting running backs in a given week. Okay. There's been many times where you'll play an extra running back in the flex. I know Jordan McNamara talks about this a lot. He's more aggressive than me. He's on the, I want to start a running back in the flex all the time. Now, part of that is we think running backs are easier to predict from week to week. I don't necessarily think that's the case. Um, I definitely think the spike weeks are going to come from the receivers that are hitting certain metrics when it comes to like market share and air yards. Like that's where I want to bet on a spike week. If I have a wide receiver three that might have an average matchup, but he's got a 21% market share on the year and 38% of his team's air yards, I'm going to play that guy in the flex. If somebody is going to get me a 28 point game, it's probably going to be the wide receiver over the running back, especially if you're starting about, you're talking about starting the backup running backs, like the Zonovan Knights, the Chuba Hubbards. Sure. Those guys on volume, maybe a couple catches, a touchdown, they can get you 18 points, but the odds of getting a super high spike week on one of those guys is much lower. So hope that answers your question, Tom, that there is viability to start running backs as well. You just don't want to build your team around it. If you end up lucking into it, then fine. Uh, but you just don't want to build your team around that specific type of build uh, unless you have to. So a couple other questions. Um, I don't think I'm going to have time to get to all of them because we're already 21 minutes in, uh, which is pretty crazy. Time flies. Um, I wanted to throw this up there because Dominic uh, answered, asked a question about T. Higgins. So obviously, T. Higgins is a free agent after 2023. Uh, we've seen some receivers not necessarily force their way out, but make some noise to the effect that, hey, if they're not going to get a long-term deal, the team may consider trading them. Uh, Hollywood Brown did it. Now, Hollywood Brown was on a first-round contract deal, so he actually didn't hit free agency for two more years uh, when he was traded to Arizona. Uh, we know A.J. Brown did it. He was up for a contract, didn't get it, got traded couple other guys. I mean, they mentioned Deontay Johnson being one of those guys that may not resign. He ended up doing it. Terry McLaurin, same thing. He ended up re-upping. DK Metcalf, same thing, ended up re-upping. If I had to bet on T. Higgins, so here's my thought, and this isn't just me being a Bengals fan. I think the Bengals will lean towards keeping their offense together more than they will keep their defense. And that's just a gut feeling. They are going to lose a lot of guys on defense after next year. There's a couple that they're going to lose this year. So they're going to have to draft the heck out of defense. Because right now their defense is, I'd say, slightly above average. But there's a lot of guys that were basically either free agency deals or guys that they drafted that they haven't had to pay yet. You know, So guys like Logan Wilson, guys like Eli Apple, guys like Jermaine Pratt, obviously Jesse Bates. We all know the story about Jesse Bates. Then you have some other guys that have outperformed their contracts. DJ Reader, Chidobe Awuzie, Trey Hendrickson. Those guys were signed for really good deals in free agency, and they're going to hit free agency again. One thing the Bengals do is they do not sign guys on third contracts. If you've noticed, every one of those guys I just mentioned that was signed in free agency, their second contract. So they are specifically, and this comes from their GM, they are specifically looking for guys that are still in their prime on their second deal. And what they do is they pay the guys and they will pay them throughout the life of their contract. That is not a team that cuts guys early, ever. The only guy they've cut early and under this GM in the last like six years has been Trey Waynes, and he was just a complete bust. So I think what's going to happen is they are going to want to pay T. Higgins. And they can pay T. Higgins a three-year deal. I think DK Metcalf is exactly what they're going to do with T. Higgins. DK Metcalf signed a three-year deal, which means he can hit free agency again at 27. Now, T. Higgins is even younger. T. Higgins will get hit free agency again at 26. So I think what happens is they sign him to like a two- or three-year deal, probably a three-year deal, something in the same range as DK, something in the same range as DK or DJ Moore, three-year, 60, 70 million, something like that. 
And that contract won't really hit the cap hard until, or it'll hit the cap pretty hard earlier. And the Jamar Chase and Joe Burrow contracts won't actually hit the cap until 2025 and 2026, because those guys will still be on their rookie deals. So I think that's what the Bengals will do. They'll keep Higgins. They'll let a lot of their defensive players go. Almost half their defense is going to walk after next year, but they're going to try to keep Higgins, Chase, uh, and Burrow together, I think, for the foreseeable future. So from Dynasty perspective, you know, if you want to move him based on that, fine. Uh, it's kind of hit or miss. You could move him based on the fact you think he leaves and goes somewhere better. I would argue he probably won't go anywhere better. Like, sure, he's not as good as Chase, but he's tied to a top five quarterback. And he's already produced like top 15 numbers back to back years. So this isn't really a guy I'm like, okay, I hope he goes to the bears and gets more targets. Cause unless the quality of the targets goes up, I don't think his fantasy numbers are going to be much better. So good question. But I wanted to address that just cause we get a lot of questions about T Higgins. I see a lot of people saying, oh, they're going to trade him in the off season. I don't think that's going to be the case unless he comes to the table and just demands, you know, I want 30 million a year or something like that. Otherwise trade me, AKA just trade me somewhere else. I think they do everything they can to re-sign Higgins. So thanks for the question, Dominic. Uh, I had a few others I wanted to pop in here. Vince, appreciate it. $5 super chat. I'm going to have to go back and find the first two questions. Give me a second. Let's see. Mm, here we go. So first part, sorry I didn't get all three of these, Vince. First parts. 12 teams, start 10, Fields, Lance, A.J. Brown, D.K., Garrett Wilson, T. Higgins, no running backs, no depth. You have the first pick, fourth, ninth, and the 201. So you have four top 13 picks. Obviously, the plan is to trade down, but haven't even in the event that I can't, looking at roster construction, in your opinion, at what point does the need to fill out threshold wide receivers outweigh potential starting RB2? Example, wide receiver one in the class versus Gibbs at 104. So good question. This is a pretty loaded one, but I, I think the idea is you right now have what I would say four high-end threshold receivers, right? Like you have four receivers that I would say are all in the top 15 or better. And a couple of them that a lot of people have in the top five, top six. So AJ Brown, Garrett Wilson, probably in the top eight to 10 for most people. And then DK and T Higgins, top 15, easy. So you have four pretty high-end receivers. So you have a couple options. Obviously, if you're trying to add up how many running backs you need, plus getting to the threshold receiver limit, and usually I recommend around seven or eight if you're talking about like a 12-team start 10. So obviously, you don't have enough receivers. You're probably also looking at a draft pick where you're going to draft at least one receiver as well. Now, you mentioned Gibbs, and you mentioned kind of where do I draft Gibbs versus where do I draft receivers in the draft. I don't know yet. I don't know yet. I I know you're taking Bijan at 101. This is the exact type of team that's perfect and the most dangerous team that has a 101. Is you already have what could be decent quarterbacks, you already have some good receivers, and you're adding Bijan. It's already kind of like a quasi contending team or what could be a quasi contending team, you're adding Bijan. Everything else, I think you can go either way. So sometimes what you can do is you can say, I'm just taking best player available, but the less running backs, obviously, that you prioritize high end. So let's say you pass on Gibbs for the wide receiver one, or you can pass on Gibbs for a quarterback. Like all you have is fields and Lance. Like there's a chance you take a quarterback at one Oh four, you know, say Stroud or Bryce young falls there. Okay. I'm going to take a quarterback. Potentially you could look to move the pick. I'd be fine looking to move that pick the one Oh four specifically for an elite quarterback. 
Uh, another option, can you trade the 101 and get an elite quarterback? Can you trade the 101 in a package to get Justin Herbert, to get Trevor Lawrence? You know, can you do that? I'd, I'd rather do that than draft a running back. But all that does is it shifts my roster construction over to, okay, if I'm trading Bijan and I'm okay drafting best player available at the other picks, I know I'm going to get three really high profile picks. I just don't know what. I might end up with three receivers. I might end up with two running backs and a receiver. But the idea is to plan your roster construction around the rest. If you have any late picks, thirds, fourths, waiver wires, that's where you want to make sure you grab any running back that's breathing. I mean, we talk about that all the time. Eric and I talk about that on America's Game all the time, but I absolutely mean that. Like you have to get any running back that potentially could be on a roster. For go, most, most rosters that I look at have a ton of clogging receivers. And you know who they are. It's very easy to figure those out. Um, and I'll say this, maybe next week I'll do an episode with the wide receiver data. I'm not going to be able to get to it tonight because we're almost at eight o'clock, uh, but I'll do an updated episode talking specifically about wide receiver usage. I've created a new model that I'm going to spit out and talk about the difference between some of the cloggers in best ball and some of them in lineup leagues. And it'll be really easy to kind of go through and figure out where you stand with some of those players. Uh, but ultimately I, I think you're looking at just making sure your roster construction fits where you know it needs to be. Head in that direction. I am not scared ever going into a season without running backs, right? Like if there's going to be a spot where my roster construction isn't right on a team that I think can win, I'm fine having it at running back. I am fine starting literally like Jordan Mason in week one, whoever the backup running back on the worst team in the league. I'm fine starting that type of player if I think they can get a dozen touches. So that's how far down you can go. I'm never scared to take a season or take a team into a season with running backs like that. So just keep that in mind. You're probably going best player available uh, with all of your picks. So appreciate that super chat, Vince. Uh, a few others before we go. Already took the T. Higgins question. Here's one. We already talked about this auto accept, but fly meatwad. Isaiah Hodgins, an auto accept candidate in a shallower league. Any second and he's gone. Yes. Uh, And just to expand on that, it isn't even about the name Isaiah Hodgins. If you are in a 12-team start nine, you know, 12-team start 10, think about what's going to be easier for you to color up to a better asset. And sometimes it takes multiple steps to get there. Like you are probably not trading Isaiah Hodgins for a player. You're not adding a second to Isaiah Hodgins to get a player that you think is going to be a starter in a start 10. But if you can auto accept a player like that, even for two thirds in a shallower league, a start 10, I'd take two thirds for Isaiah Hodgins if you could get it. Because what you can do is you now have two pieces that are not dependent on a player's opinion or a team's draft or free agent signing. There's no sort of subjectivity to that player anymore. It is a draft pick. I have a much better shot of taking a third and adding it to a second to get a higher second two thirds, adding it to a second to get a late first, you know, something like that. I'm not saying that'll come available, but that's why you liquidate. So yes, I, it's not even about Isaiah Hodgins. It's about anybody that's kind of in that range. And I'll talk about it more. I'll do the episode next week where I talk a lot about specific names. Take the pick, simply take the pick. Even if in six months you picture yourself going, damn, why did I take a second for Michael Gallup? He's the wide receiver two on Dallas. I should have never sold him for a second. It wasn't a bad process. The bad process was maybe holding on to the second and not seeing what else you can do with it. But until you have the second in your pocket, there's no way to know what could you have done with it. How many times have you been in a rookie draft and it's like, I'm looking to move down 
Well, what do you want? You want Michael Gallup? No, I don't really like him. Okay, well, why don't you like him? You, you can't go back and forth and convince somebody to want or like a player that they say they don't like. But hey, I got a couple extra seconds to throw in. Okay, at least you can get to the table. They may not take your deal, but you have a much better shot at getting to the negotiating table and allowing them to hear your pitch. When you're trying to pitch a random player, if they don't like the player, then it doesn't matter what the player's value is. The liquidity of that player is almost zero. So that's why you put players like Hodgins up as an auto accept, and you don't try to overcharge. You don't tell yourself, man, he's going to be the number two on the Giants next year. Their offense looks really good. I want a second. Well, okay, I get it. But if you don't get a second, the risk is you just have Isaiah Hodgins. Is he really that flexible? Can you move him in a type of deal anywhere? Probably not. So that's the the magic behind the auto accept trade block. Uh, Got some other questions. Let's see what's interesting. I'll take two more. I saw Fizzle Dollars put one in there about, let's see, no, here's one. Cold World TDE, what's the auto accept for Skylar Thompson? I, I actually talked about Skylar Thompson on the quarterback episode. Like, I actually would probably be willing to buy Skylar Thompson. You know, if you don't believe in Tua, like, Skylar Thompson's going to be the backup next year. And not saying he was great today, but... He's got reps. Like, well, I don't see the difference between Skylar Thompson and some other backup quarterbacks in the league right now that you might have been picking up during the season. So it's probably a third, but he might be one of those where, you know, can I get, Eric and I talked about this on America's Game, can I get three players for a third? Can I get Skylar Thompson and two old-ass running backs for a third? And it's literally just giving me three shots. And all I need is something to break for any of the three, and I might be able to get a third for any of those. So that's an interesting one. And yeah, I saw this in here. Not good at putting this. Yeah, there we go. You put this up there. Any running back on a 53. Yeah, that's another motto that I go for when you're talking about those thirds. I want to sell running backs for a single third. I want to buy running backs. I want to buy multiple running backs for one third. So can I buy three bodies for a third? That's going to be a really interesting hypothesis that I'm going to try this year. Is If I have a bunch of thirds, instead of just drafting one for one, a bunch of players, can I get three players for one? So just an interesting question with the auto accept block on there. Let's see, two more questions, and then we'll roll. This one was in there from the beginning. I got to give a shout out to Texan Wolverine. He was in here about 6.30, an hour before the stream, and had this question in there. So he says, half PPR, super flex, start nine, four receivers max. Have five top 15 dynasty receivers, T. Lamb, Wilson, London, DK. Can likely draft one at 105. Need more than six. Try to tear down. Uh, no, I think six is the magic number. You could potentially go to seven, but here it's a start nine and it's half PPR. So if you do the math, the flex is going to be more heavy weighted towards running backs, right? It's more like 50, 50 and a half PPR. So essentially you don't need a wide receiver for every flex. And then obviously you can only start four max, which means you only have one flex. So basically you probably are good with six. So I think you're good. If you draft another one, another idea would be, can I tear down? Off of one, probably the one on that list that I'd be willing to tear down on would probably be T or Drake London or DK Metcalf. Can I tear down one tier? Can I get a guy like Jerry Judy? I know I talked about Jerry Judy a lot last week. Can I get a guy like Jerry Judy and pick up a 24 first and I'll give back a second? Something like that, where I don't think there's a big difference between the receiver production, especially at my wide receiver five or wide receiver six spot, but it gives me an extra shot at what could be an elite startable asset in a start nine. 
So it's can you tear down to like very, very fringe starter range and pick up a first and second swap? I'd be comfortable doing that with probably probably DK and T and maybe Drake London, maybe Garrett Wilson. It really just comes down to who does the person in your league want. So good question. Um, I think you only need one more max. So whatever way you can get there with getting the most value, uh, good luck with that one, Texan Wolverine. And then last question, we'll end it here. Blake, 10 team start, nine super flex, half PPR, Jacoby Myers and the 105 or George Pickens and the 201. Uh, easy for me, Jacoby Myers and the 105. Give me the higher pick. Uh, I know it's only a 10 team, so I don't value the quarterbacks as much, but it's a a league where you, there's only 90 starters. So 12 team equivalent, that's only like start seven and a half ish, very shallow. So I'd much rather take a shot on there being a running back there at the 105. I assume somebody will take a quarterback. Maybe multiple teams will take quarterbacks. You're sitting there, either the RB3 or the RB2 on the board or the wide receiver one. And I'd much prefer that over George Pickens, especially in a start nine. That 201 starts to slide outside of startable range at that point. Just by the math, you know, the startable range is probably near the end of the first round uh, in a start nine, especially in a 10 team. So it's even shallower. So yeah, give me the 105. Listen, Jacoby Myers and George Pickens, I wouldn't be shocked if over the next couple of years, Jacoby Myers just literally produces the same as George Pickens. Uh, so you're really not even taking that big of a loss. You're, you're taking two receivers that are probably outside startable range, and you're essentially swapping a pick inside startable range, uh, and you're getting that for one that's outside of it. So good question, but that's one of those where you just use math to figure out the trade value. So that's it. I know I went 40 minutes. I promise I'm not going to go longer. Um, I did say it would only be about a 40 minute show. A bunch of people in here that came in here. Appreciate you. Adam, 40 chess, check it out. Uh, Got to give him uh, some props right here. Right here, sporting the South Harmon pullover. Appreciate that, my brother. Uh, a couple others, Dynasty Barry said, what's up to Adam? What's up, Dynasty Barry? Uh, check out if you go to the Patreon, patreon.com slash allgash, you get all Dynasty Barry's. Uh, Warp and his ADP been a really valuable resource for everybody in the community. So with that, I will go ahead and sign off. Uh, next week will probably be a podcast. I want to do another wide receiver dump where I talk all about the wide receiver usage. Uh, I really want to hit specific players talking about roster cloggers. And I am going to talk both lineup and best ball because it's different. It's obviously different. There are roster cloggers in lineup where you get to best ball and you go, damn, I kind of like that player. You know, he's going to give me three spike weeks, two spike weeks. Line up, you're going, man, I'm going to cut that guy. He's a roster clogger. If I can't get a third, I'm going to cut him. So I'm going to talk about that for both formats. So stay tuned to that next week. Uh, appreciate everybody in here. Saw another one, Tyler Pello, Scott Connor, Deep Dives Dynasty like no other. Appreciate you, my dude. Next week, wide receiver episode. Uh, about to go listen and watch the Bengals game. Hopefully they can get it done tonight. Uh, setting up a showdown with Buffalo next week. I don't want to jinx it, but hopefully it gets there. With that, I'll sign off. Check out the newsletter, allgas.beehive.com. Subscribe, put in your email. Check out all the other content on the Destination Devi radio feed, podcast form, YouTube, wake up show on Monday and Wednesday. Check that out. Going to be a lot of prospect talk and draft talk coming uh, over the next month or two. And then obviously over in the Patreon, you get raised weekly film breakdowns. Uh, for the roster construction nerds, I mentioned this on America's Game, and I'll mention it again here. Uh, Ray is able to go through and kind of break down the running backs that we need to know how to break ties with, right? Like, that's going to be the biggest thing I'm going to learn over the next month or two in the Discord is these running backs that are going to be second, third, fourth, fifth round picks. I want to know which ones are good, which ones aren't. 
forget about their draft capital. We assume they're all going to get lumped together draft capital, but that really kind of helps me get an idea of if I want this guy or not. And then obviously we'll get measurables and all that stuff later, but check that out. Patreon.com slash all gas, join the discord and yeah, Barry, let's go Bengals. So with that, I'll go ahead and sign off. Appreciate everybody. We'll be back probably in a couple weeks for another live stream. And uh, until then, uh, enjoy the podcast next week. This will come out on iTunes tomorrow uh, and podcast platforms tomorrow to listen to. And who day? I'll go ahead and sign off. Be chill.